Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Hey everybody, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast once again broadcasting live and when I say live I mean I'm alive as I broadcast but that's about as live as it is for you from my apartment here in Westchester New York Westchester also known as the best Chester and I welcome you to another episode of Sam Roberts wrestling podcast I hope everybody enjoyed uh, JR on the show last week if you did and you're from the area make sure if you listen to these things as soon as they come out this Friday which would be what, January 21st, like 24th-ish, I guess, Tuesday, Friday, Wednesday, Friday, 23rd, sorry, I was counting on the air, Friday, January 23rd, it's a few days away, I will be in Sayreville, New Jersey, along with good old JR, Jim Ross, if you follow him, J-R-S-B-B-Q, or yours truly, at NotSam on Twitter. You can get all the information. But J-R and I will be in Sayreville, New Jersey, uh, promoting ringside. Not promoting, but performing. Ringside with J-R. It's a one-man show, and it's everything you've ever wanted to know from J-R that you didn't find out last week. Make sure you go and you check out that one-man show if you can. And if you do, go to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Sam Roberts and get yourself a Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast t-shirt. That way, I'll know who you are when I see you. Listen, a lot to get to today. It's Royal Rumble week. This Sunday, my favorite pay-per-view of the year. It's hard to say any pay-per-view is better than WrestleMania, but Sunday is Royal Rumble, which I think is probably the funnest pay-per-view of the year. It's the it's the best pay-per-view of the year to watch with friends, that's for sure. It's the best pay-per-view of the year to find people that haven't watched wrestling in a while and sit them down in front of the TV. If you're trying to convert a new wrestling fan, Royal Rumble is the show to do it. This week is the Royal Rumble. We'll get to all that. As you can hear, there's no dishes being washed. I'm home alone. I got all the freedom in the world. So we're going to get down to business. But before we talk about the Royal Rumble, before we talk about what happened at Raw Reunion, before we talk about TNA, I want to touch on that. Let's get to our guest of the week, the master of the diamond cutter, Palamine, Diamond, Dallas Page, DDP, He's changed countless lives through DDP Yoga. I got to give this guy all the credit in the world. You, If you're a wrestling fan or you're not a wrestling fan or you think it's a goof or whatever, it is impossible to become successful in the world of uh, health and fitness. Very few people. I mean, look at Richard Simmons. Nobody even knows where he is anymore. He's disappeared for a year. Because the pressure was too much for him. Maybe if you're Jillian Michaels and you have an NBC deal, you have a TV show, then maybe. But if you're just a guy promoting DVDs, I mean, Tybo, you couldn't get cooler than Tybo. Billy Blanks was the man, and then he was just nowhere. DDP Yoga has just grown and grown and grown over the last several years. It's been really incredible to watch, and it's nice to see... A, a sports entertainer, a pro wrestler, succeed in business outside of wrestling once that's done for him. It's always good to see because it doesn't happen all that often, but it is happening for DDP, and he is taking wrestlers with him. I mean, you talk about Raw Reunion, you saw Scott Hall. You saw Scott Hall on Monday Night Raw this week. It never would have happened without DDP Yoga, without DDP cleaning up that man. Um, and that's only the beginning. Of what he's done. Uh, So much to get into with DDP. So why wait anymore? Why talk about it any further when we've got it for you? My guest on the podcast this week, DDP. And now, the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast interview. Let's welcome back the master of the diamond cutter, positively Page. <laughs> diamond Dallas Page is here. How you doing, man? What's the haps? Uh, actually, in town, I'm uh, doing a, a workshop I call um, at a, a yoga studio called uh, 
inspiration meets perspiration. And what's funny to me is this is the only, I've only done one yoga studio in all the years of me working out and everything because I didn't made this for yogis. You know, I made this for people who wouldn't be caught dead doing yoga. Right. And like, I'll do all different types of yoga today. You know, I don't do it too, that often, but occasionally I, there's one called restorative, which really gets your body in So line. when you're doing other yoga, are you doing it to try to perfect your program to see what else is out there or just because you're open to it now? Um, more open to it now for one thing. Um, but also I, I like to see what other teachers do. Yeah. I like to see, like, I'll only go unless if I, if, if I know someone's like, right, over here that, and you got to go do that guy. He's really good. Or that chick, you know, that, you know, you got a really good, and I have the time, which I very rarely do too. Right. Um, so occasionally I'll, uh, I'll pop in, but again, in the it's like trying to watch raw while you're on nitro in the Monday <laughs> night war days, what are the other guys doing right now? We got to make sure. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, you know, it is, and you learn a little something more, but I'll also watch watch like some of the cross not so much crossfit but some of the uh, boot camp type workouts that they do because a lot of the stuff that a boot camp workout will do will be like no impact mm-hmm. and that's what i'm not looking at now other stuff is like crazy impact where they beat the hell out of their body i don't want any of that shit right but um you know, I, I'm I'm here in New York because I'm going back to this place called Pure Yoga, and the name alone, Pure Yoga, and I'm like the the anti yoga right. yogi, and uh, you're and, like not this sort of calm, right. home, flowers, soft. You know, it's funny because the guy who's the, who's could be considered like the Hulk Hogan around for all these workshop guys. His name's Brian Kess. He's the Hulk Hogan of yoga? Of yoga. Who and knew man, there even was one? Well, you know, I'm just giving you an example yeah. that, you know, of someone who's really over. Like, when he puts his stuff up, it shit sells out immediately, yeah. you know? And, um, and Plus, you, he tears his shirt off every time before he starts. <laughs> no, he doesn't quite do that. <laughs> but he's really funny. He's a, he's a really great instructor, uh, and he's one of the guys that I started to do some of his stuff in the beginning because he was cool. And, you know, right. it wasn't... If you see him live, I mean, he says fuck way more than I do. <laughs> uh, and uh, it's, he makes it entertaining. But they, they said, because this one we sold out on. This is only my second time coming back here. And like I say, I don't go to yoga studios. I normally go to dojos, you know, or or gyms, or, or we'll just rent out a hall and do it, you know? Right. And uh, um, they said to uh, my booking agent, Marlon, they said, Oh, this is really amazing. Oh, we're, we're blown away by the, uh, you know, because they saw the article. It was a six-page article they did in the New York Times mm-hmm. about, you know, what we're doing with DDP Yoga and Scott and Jake and all that. And that's why they really wanted me to come back. Uh, but as they said, uh, he's reached Brian Kess status. Really? <laughs> so I thought that was, that was pretty entertaining you know, yeah. all the way around. Yeah. You know? um, you were talking about, you know, Jake and Scott, of course, Jake Roberts and Scott mm-hmm. Hall. Last time you were here was right after WrestleMania. You gave me that beautiful Nancy Grace soundbite, which I thank you for to this day. Um, <laughs> but what I didn't ask you then, because we only had a few minutes, was with Jake Roberts and Scott Hall both going into the Hall of Fame, how much do you think you have to do with that? Oh, well, in that- terms of, not necessarily in terms of their career, but yeah. in terms of timing. Like the uh, fact that they went in when they went in. Yeah, I think the um, they they were blackballed pretty much, you know. Mm-hmm. From and um, they just the, the company they tried, you know, the company literally tried. But I think Jake went to eleven rehabs and Scott went to twelve. The, the company paid. I think the company paid for almost all of those. Not all of them. I don't think. I think Scott said he had paid for a few on his own as well. He doesn't really like to take things from people, but for them to both get sober. In the same year, in the same house, and then go into the Hall of Fame all at the same time. It was my it was my fifty eighth birthday uh, that when we had the Hall of Fame last year. Really? Yeah. So it was like the greatest birthday present ever. You know. Now, when something like that happens, because it takes balls to say, "Okay, I'm going to prove my system works and can make people healthier," and I'm going to take, you know, polite or impolite, <laughs> arguably the two biggest junk, the two guys who are known for being the biggest junkies in wrestling. And kind of clean them up and show that every anybody can do this because I think that's the point that you take, kind of the guys yeah, who right. who you would think are, are are hopeless who have tried everything and say, look, anybody can do it. They can do it. You can do it. Um, when something when good things start happening and something as exciting as the Hall of Fame happens, because no matter what anybody says, every wrestler wants to go into that Hall Absolutely. of Fame. Do you have to watch them to make sure it's like okay, this doesn't mean we're going to celebrate. This doesn't mean we're going to go back to partying. 
Because that well, can sometimes be one of those things that sets people off. Well, what happened was the high was so high. Yeah. That the fall was fall. I mean, they they, they both it, it 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 was so amazing, and then all of a sudden whoosh, it was like, well, what now? Because not only are you on the Hall of Fame, but now you're broadcast on the network. You get to go out for WrestleMania. You're traveling again. You're seeing all these guys, and then it's over after the weekend. Yeah, yeah and then it's gone. Yeah. And what it they they both fell. Jake only fell once. Uh, Scotty fell a couple times. <laughs> you know, but I also helped them both see something i go dude if you take an abuse and they've both been on and off and abuse their whole lives would it, would, yeah and abuse if you take an abuse you will get violently ill if you drink anything if you okay. smell beer you will get violently <laughs> ill and they both had to be on it at certain times to see their kids or whatever this is the first time they've taken it where it's on them and we help them make help them accountable because they always send us videos or whatever. And you know, it's something they're doing on their own though. And right. like for Scott to do it, it was really amazing. I thought, uh, you know, just because he's doing things on his own terms. Jake, you know, like we help Jake coordinate a lot of different stuff for him. You know, money wise and stuff, holding and you know, moving things around. He's taking control of that now. You know, it's like it, there's there's things that um, that they're doing today that. I I'm just so proud of both of those guys because they're um, they're walking the talk, you know, and they're and they're reaching out and helping different people, and that's that really helps Jake stay uh, strong too when he can influence someone to help themselves as well. When did you start to trust those guys? Because I know I don't know about Scott, but I definitely know that Jake is on the road now. He does indie shows yep. and stuff like that, and that's mm -hmm. one of, that's again, like you know what well, you couple doing gigs with right. is that life. So how do you not fall back into the habits of that life? How do you? How long into the process was it that you trusted them to go out on the road? Um, you know, uh, that's something I just put on them right away because you know it's, you got to make money, you yeah. got to do your thing. But if you're doing the abuse, Jake talks about it pretty openly. You know, it's like if you don't take the abuse, well, you made a conscious decision not to. Mm -hmm. Well, now a couple of days later, you can start drinking again. You can't do it right away. Like right. In 48 hours, you can't do it. So you have to be making a conscious effort. So that would be a problem, you know? So, and and, and that's not a problem, you know, either one of them. And did you just kind of, so you put it on them from the beginning? Like, I, I, I put it out there to Jake. Scott came up with it all by himself. Wow. You know, and, uh, but I put it out there to Jake. I'm like, dude, you know, we're, we're in the process of constantly editing the, the movie, The Resurrection of Jake the Snake. And we have gonna ask it re yeah. really looks phenomenal. Because uh, didn't I read that there was a, a, a private screening of it? Yeah, we had one. Yeah. People loved it. People loved it. I mean, I, when, I, when, I, when people watch that movie and you see a woman who's 52, who's never watched wrestling ever, and knows a couple of us because they've met a couple of us, and 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 eight times during the movie you see them you know <laughs> taking the tissues up because it's one of those movies where you're not crying like that you just weep because it's just like it grabs you steve you is uh you know he's the one who put all of the story together he's mm -hmm. the he's the director of the film and uh we got accepted into uh into uh slam dance which is pretty cool and yeah. a lot of people don't know they a lot of people know slam dance but a lot of people don't uh, Slam Dance runs the same time as Sundance at the same time out in Park City. And how that happened was I watched, uh, I went to the site when they found out that they were wanted to, you know, hear our stuff. I uh, went to the site and I watched a story. It was I think it was 90, 97 filmmakers in the New York metropolitan area all had sent their movies to Sundance. Now, you figure someone's going to, you know, a couple of us are going to get in. Right. None. Nobody. 24 of them went to Park City. They got there around 1 o'clock in the morning and went to the guy at the desk, and there was a room open, not room for sleeping, but one of those, those rooms that they okay, have that Conference day. room. Conference type, room, yeah. and that's where they film. They show a lot of the filming, the screenings over there, a lot of these different hotels. So wherever Sundance started the movie at 7, 8, or 9, they would start 7, 15, 8.15, 9.15. <laughs> so you didn't get into one of those movies. You come yeah, right over here. You got the late person coming back. Yeah. Bottom line, that was 21 years ago. Now that's one of the most prestigious independent film uh, festivals on the planet right now. So yeah, it's pretty cool. That's great. The boys are really, you know, <clears throat> the Scott and Jake 
when I, we were doing as we were filming this mm -hmm. i'm like if if you guys really do make the transformation if you really do start to walk the talk again this movie could be unbelievable and it could help rebrand you as opposed to jake in uh, beyond the mat right or scott in e60 right because that's know? i mean that yeah you're talking about the mainstream because i think i would think that when you're putting this movie on that the people that you're really looking at, because of course you're going to have wrestling fans that go and they enjoy it. You know, we'll watch whatever, we'll watch everything. Right. But it's those non-wrestling fans because it's it's the non-wrestling fans or the people that watched when they were a kid and know who those guys are that I haven't watched in years. The people who just remember Razor Ramon from when they were a kid. All the, the only other thing they know is the ESPN deal, right. and the, and and the same thing with Jake Roberts. So did you see people that have you shown the movie to non-wrestling fans? Oh yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and we we've shown it to. Uh... Because we want feedback. Steve Hughes. It said Steve's basically Steve's baby. You know, it's his movie. And uh, he, uh, it's it's a super passion for him. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, getting to tell the story to the person who is not a wrestling fan. Yeah. And how they, because everybody has someone in their life, you know, whether it's a distant cousin or whatever, who's got issues with, you know, abuse, you know, and addiction. So, uh you know, we really obviously get into that because it was all right there. <laughs> well, and, and wrestling as an industry is so kind of coupled with that. You okay. know what I mean? Like yeah. that is, you know, everybody, the, the only mainstream press wrestling gets sometimes is about these, you know, young deaths. So, and I that, mean. Yeah, to, absolutely. To have that, because that's part of the story, to have that story be told and say, look, these are the guys that everybody said, who's next? It's going to be one of these right. guys. They were on, they were on the Deadpool. Right. You know, it was Scott or Jake who you pick the top one guy, the next guy to die, but not so much now. Right. You know? And to watch, you know, to watch them both, uh, you know, just grab a hold of their lives and start, you know, start planning. Cause they're both so smart and they're both so talented. Right. You know, that, uh, this journey, uh, and you know, the whole part of the movie, I, I knew we could help to rebrand them and really, take them and it, and it's it's a you know it's a bit of a roller coaster because it's what really happened like when when i went in there you know uh steve said you know we should you know he's the director's like you gotta really do this right you know you should probably put cameras all around here and do this i was like dude do whatever you think it needs to be done because i want i want these guys to be accountable yeah and sometimes you gotta watch where you you know I'd use it with my girlfriend sometimes. I'd <laughs> say, like, no, no, you said this. No, I didn't. Blah, blah, blah. Back. And we'd go back, and she'd be right. Oops, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it's because it was worse. Than that. Now we're, you know, we don't live like that anymore. It, it can be a little much. We're just like cameras all the damn time. You yeah, know? I would imagine. And at night, you and your fiance, what do you have to put? coats over the cameras to make sure that you can have your personal time as well it were? we stayed in, in the bedroom <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no but, uh, in here. this is the one non-accountability room right and, and i finally did once we got it all you know, everything was done we pulled all those cameras down but there's still a ton of people in my house because we haven't built i'm building the ddp yoga performance center in atlanta mm -hmm. and that's going to be amazing because that's we're really building a production studio where we're going to film the workouts and a lot of them will go live on the internet, which well, is, was, no one's ever done yet. Yeah, I was going to ask you. I mean, I know you're making so much money off the uh, DVDs and everything. And the business right. has been going so well. But is this something, it seems to me, as I was walking here, I was thinking about it. Well, this is the type of thing that the WWE Network could put on at like 8 o'clock in the morning. And people turn on their TVs. Have, have you talked at all or thought about the idea of putting it on the network or would that affect DVD business? Well, you know, I don't really, I, I don't need to, you know, they have their own thing and, yeah. you know, no one's ever approached me on it. They have approached me on stuff for YouTube stuff, but mm -hmm. I, I, we're going to create, I, I'm spending like every, I made a lot of money off of um, Shark Tank, like a lot. That's what we, yeah, and that's the other thing we <laughs> talked about is the fact that you, we went into Shark Tank knowing, I mean, I don't really need it, but it's a commercial. It, it was, um, I just figured we're going to be real. They're just like we're in a movie. We're going to be real and set. Like those guys were so the sharks were. No one is successful in this field. Mm -hmm. Like Beachbody, Guyum. After that, I mean, you see people's DVDs are out there. You can get three of them for six ninety nine. Yeah, you know. So it's like nobody's really successful in this. They were like, "How have you guys done so well?" Steve said, because he's standing right next to me. He goes, "We inspired people." They're like, "Yeah, yeah." But how did you make the money? How did it? <laughs> yeah. 
I said, we inspire people. That's what we do. We show them what's possible. And that moves people to action. And they still didn't get it. But, you know, the bottom line is that's what we do. So the money that we made from Shark Tank, I put it all into this, this production studio that is called DDP Yoga Performance Center. And on one end, the corporate offices and everything will be as you come, you know, on the, on the back end of it. You, as you come walking from the entranceway into the area that's like 2,300 square feet and ceilings are 18 feet high. Yeah. It's a production studio, lighting all the way through. This side's for workouts. Over here is for uh, cooking shows. And over here is for a back end is for green screen. But I can still use it all as a workout facility and get about 80, 90 people in there. So it sounds to me like screw the WWE network. You're going to launch the DDP Yoga Network. <laughs> We're calling it DDP Yoga Now. Uh-huh. And I've already built it on um, iPad, iPhone, Droid, Pamphlet, and the computer. Okay. So, you know, we we all grew up with, you're old enough to ha- remember records. Of course. Records became 8-tracks. Yeah. 8-tracks became cassettes. Cassettes became CDs. Yeah. Became MP3s. Became phone. Phone. You stream. <laughs> You don't save anything. You just stream it. It's whatever. It's serious. It's Spotify. It's whatever. Whatever it is, you know. And so you got everything, all your music on your phone. Well, within the next three to two to three to five years max, there'll be no more DVDs. There'll be a handful of them out there. Everyone's going to go to their app or they're going to go bloop to their TV. Right. But we're doing it now. Smart. and, and, And because. The people, because otherwise you're going to end up in a position where what happened to all the DVD sales? Nobody watches. Right. Nobody's going to pay for physical media anymore. So is this some? It's going to be a subscription service. Yeah, it will be. In the beginning, we're going to be you know giving it with the program, Mm -hmm. and uh, which really help us overseas because overseas it takes so long for them to get our stuff. Right. You have to make sure it's the right region. DVD coding. We we did them all. Every we we cover every region when we did this. Um. It's just a lot of things we figured out, you know, early on by making mistakes yeah. before we made that big order. But we, um, you know, as far as the, it'll be instant, it'll be instant gratification. Like you could say, I want that. Boom, you'll have that. Well, how much money did you make from Shark Tank? Are we talking six figures? Are we talking seven figures? In six days, we made a million dollars. Wow. Six <laughs> days after that show aired, you yeah. made a million bucks. Yeah, it was crazy. The first day was like 122,000. That was like 322,000. Then it was 302,000. Then it worked its way down. Well, I, I wanted to know what day, what time did we break a million? It was like six days. Six days. Did you expect that kind of return? I expected a really good return. I don't know if I really expected that. Yeah. I don't think I, don't think I expected that much. But, uh, and what's great, you know, you never get that original hit. But it's aired four times. Right. So, and CNBC has it now. Right. So they're airing Shark Tank every night. You're going to get. Who knows how. It'll be a little plug every once in a while. Like, boom. Like, I have a list of, like, where you can't purchase or invest in DDP Yoga without putting where you heard about it. So it could say Jericho from his podcast. Right. It could say you, Sammy. Had a couple for you the other day, as a matter of fact. <laughs> um, but uh, it could say uh, Stone Cold. It could say Jim Ross. It could say, you know, um, when we were on HBO, on Shark Tank, right. on this, on that. So there's like 30 different avenues that it comes from. But it's just through constantly me getting the word out there or people talking about it. Like, I had nine people buy it yesterday just from the reviews. People finding reviews online. And my favorite, though, is friends and family. Because they're telling people, you have to have this. Right. And our average is 20% every day, which is off the charts. But when we started our sale, which, like, we're still, we kept it on right now because it's a new year. We're keeping the sale on there. But when we first did it, when we did our three-year anniversary, we averaged 41%. And they were huge sales. Wow. Friends and family. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, and that's and I, that's probably because I showed it to my wife. You know, I, you gave me, like, when I yep. saw you a year ago or two years ago, you gave me a, a package. And I showed it to my wife because she does yoga yoga. Right, right, right. And so she's like, all right, I'm going to try this tomorrow morning. And she put it, she was dead. <laughs> dead. You completely, like, wore her out. But she was like, "This, it's, it's a real thing. Like, it's a workout. It's like going to the gym. Yeah. You know, and, and but she also, if she would have been, you know, someone who wasn't in shape, right, she would have taken the the other side of it, which is the person who's modifying the position. And all of a sudden, wow, that was still a workout, but it really wasn't. 
Well, like I think for her, it wouldn't have been a workout at all. Right, right. I think the way that uh, that you can tell that it's a real thing is that in my uh, in my whatever seeing of things, wrestlers don't like to put over things that other wrestlers are doing. They're Very really insightful. Like pro wrestlers <laughs> in business for themselves. They're not into right. putting somebody else over. Right. And every like six months, there's another guy that's putting over. Like Jericho was on here saying that. Yeah. You know, he's doing DDP yoga, and I saw you finally got Mick Foley to yeah, at least try it. He's trying, getting little pieces in it. And for Mick, I mean, I love him to death, but he's just taking so much bumps, and he doesn't he is, he is an intense work ethic on so many things, except for himself. Mm-hmm. And if he doesn't make the change, it's because he will end up crippled, like completely crippled, because mm-hmm. he's still only 48 years old right, right. now. Jericho, to me, though, he's the... He's the golden boy, you know, as far as, you know, it, he's had an amazing life. He's worked his ass off. For me, he's, he's the guy because Chris, when he blew his back out, he's like me. I don't care whose idea it is. Mm-hmm. I just want the right idea. So I sent him that video of Arthur. And five minutes later, he called me back. He goes, you really helped this disabled veteran do all this. I said, dude, it's a shoot. He said, you send me whatever you whatever whatever you think I need to do, and I'll do it. Five weeks later, he called me back. He's like, I'm 85% pain-free. It is, I'm addicted to this. Does everyone feel this? I said, the people who actually do it, yes. Mm-hmm. But you got to step in to be addicted. You got to, like, be doing it. Right. And uh, he became the only workout that he did. He, in three months, he was 100% pain-free and headlined WrestleMania against Punk. And then what I love, there's two there's two milestones that Chris had. One is he took off six months and toured with Fozzie. Yeah. Showed up at the Royal, at the Royal Rumble two years ago. Yeah. In the number two spot and went 47 minutes and 53 seconds. Right. Which... And had wrestled. It's unheard of. <laughs> it's uh, crazy. Guys like Shawn Michaels, you know, freaking Mr. Perfect. Guys like that. Right. Ted DiBiase. The conditioning been, that it takes. Right. They've been wrestling for years. Yeah. You know, they, they, think they don't miss a beat, you know. But in this scenario, he had wrestled in six months. And he just did that. I was like, oh, my God, what an amazing testimony. But what stole the show was when he was wrestling Bray Wyatt, mm-hmm. and he went up to the top of the 18-foot cage and jumped down on him. I'm like, Chris, don't, don't do it. Don't, don't do it. All right, you're up there, dude. It's going to be awesome testimony right here. Yeah. <laughs> At 44 years young. You've made him fearless. Like He's like, whatever happens to me, I'll just yoga my way out of it. It'll be fine. <laughs> I'll be fine. But you have to look at somebody like Mick Foley from a businessman's perspective and say, yeah. if I could get this guy to commit, this is my next Jake Roberts story. No, he really could be, but he, it, if Mick's got four kids. Yeah. And he's the ultimate dad, you know, like, I mean. Plus, he's he, traveling constantly. This dude is on the road nonstop. And, and that's that's the whole part of it, real, you know, the real dedication. And one of the biggest thing, Sammy, that I know for a fact, and I watched it with Arthur, the disabled vet first, when I got him on real food and off garbage food, mm-hmm. that's where you see people feeling healthier feeling stronger, not feeling so tired and beat up because real food helps heal you. If you don't eat the real food, which Mick, that's a big problem for Mick. Mm -hmm. He's eating way better, but it still sucks. (laughs) It's tough, though, that junk food. I know, but I'll tell you, you can't even call it junk food. Call it fake food. Right. Junk fake food because it's not even real food. I mean, this is something that a Harvard professor just dubbed it uh, fake, what do you call it, fake junk food. Fake food, fake fake junk food. That's what called fake junk food. You know, it's because it's not real. I mean, it's all full of chemicals, and it's re- we're really if we keep eating like this, the the kids of the kids. You think kids today are having problems with allergies, and you know, I mean, the overrun. If you can look at the, the, where diabetes was forty years ago and where it is today, and obesity and everything. I mean. Only thing that's changed really is the food. Like they don't care about us, bro. You know? Yeah. So for me, and you're you're a guy, you're a lean guy. You could eat plastic. Mm-hmm. You know, but and and then I do. I, I mean, I, I, the things that I eat, I'm embarrassed when I go to the doctor, and they're like, "Well, what's your diet like?" And I'm just looking. I'm well, you know, I try to stay away from fast food. So like, maybe twice a week, and they're just looking at me like. So you're just poisoning yourself. Is that what you're telling me? Like, fast food <laughs> is the new cigarettes. Like, when you tell somebody no, in 2015 that, yeah, no, I like to have soda. You think, <sighs> what? 
What? Yeah, I was like, oh, never mind. Try, I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you an example of something. Now, remember, first of all, it takes you 10 to 12 times of tasting something where mm-hmm. you go, oh, my God, I've got to have that. Right. Because your body says it wants the real shit. Your body doesn't want. Your mind says, oh, I want that ho-ho. Well, go eat the gluten-free ho-ho that's actually not genetically modified. Mm-hmm. At least it's made out of real brown rice flour. You know, it's like just choices like that. But there's a um, there's a there's a, sh- a soda out there. There's two of them. One's called Zevia, and it's made with stevia. I think I've seen it at like Whole Foods. Yes, you've yeah. seen that there. Their Coca Cola is pretty good. You know, if you like their uh, um, there's another one called Honest Fizz. Now Coca Cola bought them, mm-hmm. um, and that's it's made from like this tea. The root beer is unbelievable. So that's the way to start. That's that's a good way to make the transfer. And right. it costs a little bit more. But, again, there's a reason why uh, Coca-Cola bought my buddy's company. You know, that he owns 1% of now, which will probably be, you know, most money he ever made in his life. You know, But it's yeah. 1% of something Coca-Cola owns. That's like what happened to 50 Cent. He had some vitamin water money, and all of a sudden Coca-Cola Boom. buys it, and he's a millionaire overnight. Right. That's all it takes, something like that. And, again, they, vitamin water's full of sugar, though. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it yeah. it sounds so right. healthy. Well, it says vitamin, it's, and right. it tastes delicious. Well, the reason it tastes delicious. Did you even see where Coke recently, because there's been such a backlash on Coke mm-hmm. because of, you know, it's, I always tell people, I'd rather you drink regular Coke than Diet Coke. I'd rather right. you snort Coke than drink Coke. <laughs> <laughs> but they just put, it's, it's back to real sugar. Yeah. And I don't know what level of real sugar but one of the biggest thing you've seen in everything, and it's in everything now, it's called aspartate. Yeah. It's really, really bad. Well, they had uh, my my wife's coworker, one of her family members went into a, a hospital to be treated for cancer. And they said, I think the first two questions were, do you smoke cigarettes? She said, no. They go, do you drink diet soda? Right. And right there, my wife just goes like, "What? That's the second question, <laughs> right? <laughs> like that's the last. That's, that's it. That's the end of it." Yeah. Um, I have to let go of you in a second, but I do want to. Know, have you seen the? Uh, we talked about the WWE Network a minute ago. Have you seen the Monday Night Wars documentaries at all? I've seen quite a few of them. Yeah. What do you think? Do you think it's a uh, uh, revisionist history? Do you think it's accurate? Yes, um, I think they're good, but they definitely have their own slant on it. You know. Mm-hmm. But I always say history is written by the winners, you know? And it's pretty clear who the winners were. (laughs) Yes. And if they would have done it where it was down the middle, I think people would be, who know? Right. You know, the people who watched Mm -hmm. would know, like, come on, that's bullshit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. but it's still pretty good for for the WWE to (laughs) put WCOW over when they do. Yeah. You know, uh, is pretty good. I was supposed to go back to do... uh, um, they they moved it to another time, but to go back and do uh, the best of Nitro uh, three, oh, which man, I was surprised we saw it too. But one sold so well, yeah. Then two sold really well too. Well, that's the thing. I mean, say what you want about WCW, and I was always a WWE guy. But the minute they started popping episodes of Nitro on the network, people started freaking out. Right. Freaking out. Right. Well, listen, uh, where can people, what do you want to uh, uh, tell people about? Where can they find everything? Where can they oh. do this themselves, transform their lives? Well, everything's at ddpyoga.com. It's pretty simple. But I always tell people, don't even listen to a word I say. Go to Facebook, ddpyoga. It's one word. Read what the people write. Yeah. You know, and, or go on Twitter right now, at RealDDP or at ddpyoga. Put a, put a tweet out there. You, you caught me on Sam Roberts' show here today. <laughs> yeah, tell them but, where you found him. You know, and and they, that so many of the people write, the stuff they write, it's like you can't get people to chant, you know, yes. Right. You just can't get them to do that. They've got to really feel it. they got to feel connected. They, you can't get them to chant Hogan or DDP or Stone Cold. You can't get them to do that. Right. That's something that the people have to feel. You can't get people to write the shit they write mm-hmm. on Twitter or Facebook. You get one here and there, but you can't get hundreds and thousands of them doing it right so that pretty much is the proof right there well listen thanks for hanging out ddp try ddp yoga if you need something like that in your life and uh try to get some of those uh, natural sugar sodas too <laughs> start making the change <laughs> thanks for hanging out man it's your pleasure pal <laughs> here is sam roberts now i don't care how many times i interview that guy every single one of them ends with the pleasure was all yours a heel for life 
Diamond Dallas Page, and you might have been wondering when you heard the beginning of that interview, I said, welcome back. And you're on iTunes right now, and you're scrolling through old episodes of Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, the last 12 or so, going, where's the DDP episode from before this? He said, welcome back. I don't understand. I want to hear the first interview. I have a long history of interviewing sports entertainers before this podcast ever existed. I've been doing this much longer than two months, three months, however long it's been. Yes, I've got a whole YouTube channel full of them. You can see uh, the interviews that I've done with DDP in the past as well as visually seeing the interviews that I've done on this podcast. Uh, I just posted the video of uh, the Jay Briscoe podcast the uh, Carl Anderson Machine Gun Podcast, the Billy Corgan Podcast is going up there. All of those videos are up now at youtube.com slash notsam. There are hours and hours of wrestling interviews up there. Uh, so if you've listened to all the podcasts and you want to see my pretty face talking to some of these wrestlers' pretty faces, then click on that link. Speaking of the YouTube channel and everything going on there, that is the first thing. I want to talk about on today's State of Wrestling. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. I got to tell you something. Howard Finkel doing the voice work on that production never gets old to me. You all know the only reason I started this wrestling podcast is because I'm a wrestling fan. I don't hate what I see on TV. I don't get annoyed by it. I'm a fan of wrestling. So for Howard Finkel... To be doing the voice work on a wrestling fan show, for any wrestling fan, that's a dream come true. Imagine my feelings. Well, you don't have to imagine them. I told you, it's a dream come true. So, I was talking about the YouTube channel, TNA, and this all is going to come back around full circle, so don't you worry about it. TNA is back in the swing of things. Uh, They've officially started their new weekly show. It's Impact Wrestling. Now it's on Destination America. Okay, I have enjoyed the shows. I like what's going on on TV. I think Taz and Josh Matthews are a breath of fresh air. Uh, But I still feel like TNA needs to be busting their asses, proverbial asses, to push the envelope. Not to be the edgiest show on television, but just to do things that people are going to talk about. Just things, every now and then, something needs to happen there that sends shockwaves through entertainment. Because otherwise, you're just never going to have mainstream really paying attention to it. There's got to be some surprises. It's still, I thought that when TNA relaunched, it would be a whole new product. Um, And it just, it, it feels like, like decent episodes of impact i just my my dog was just barking i got a new dog that's what you just heard barking in the background he's barking in his sleep she is it's a girl she's barking in her sleep so if you wouldn't mind her disturbing us i was all excited because i was home alone now this dog is barking audibly in the background in her sleep i walked over there i pushed pause on the microphone and i walked over there to kind of relax her say like what's the problem She's dead asleep. I think, you know, TNA really needs to do things that surprise audiences, not just entertain them. They can't put on, they can't afford, I I wouldn't think, I, I mean, I'm not their business manager, but I wouldn't think they could afford to just put on decent shows and that would be enough. You need to do more than tell stories. You need to surprise people. You need to, you need those holy S moments that are going to make people chant. I love the Beatdown crew or clan. I love the Beatdown clan. MVP, Kenny King, Samoa Joe, Loki. I love that mainly because I feel like I had a hand in starting it. When I said that I was going to bring it back to the YouTube channel, if you look, I sat down with MVP, Loki, Samoa Joe, and Homicide. In 2014, and they called themselves the Wu-Tang of Wrestling. It was the first time that I had been aware that those four guys were in a room together publicly. You know, maybe they've hung out together, but I've never seen a promo with them together. They've never all teamed up together. I've never seen them do an interview together. 
And I got a chance to sit down and talk to all four of them. And it has spawned one of the cooler factions in wrestling right now. The Wyatts are gone. The Shields gone. So you have to knock those out of the mix. In terms of, of factions, and I think factions are very, very important in wrestling. I think when you can have a strong group of guys, it has the potential to make some, if not all of them, a whole lot stronger. And it can really capture the imagination. It can really... It, they can do something as a unit. And I think those four guys with uh, with Kenny in there instead of Homicide, I think it still works. Um, and I think they're really compelling television. Uh, I think Kurt Angle being back in the ring is really good news for the company. That you can turn on that show and see Kurt Angle wrestling somebody, I think is going to draw people in. You know, if I turn on TV and I find out Kurt Angle is wrestling Samoa Joe in a six-sided ring, I'm going to stop and I'm going to say, whoa, what's this? I hear Taz and Josh Matthews, but they don't sound like WWE announcers. They sound more like they're free format, like they're telling the story in the ring. Like they're not, they just sound very different. Maybe a little more contemporary. I don't know what it is, but they sound different. And different's good. Different immediately makes you stop and at least say, hey, what's going on on this show? I think they need something. They need moments where people can walk away from it and go, whoa. Did you see what just happened? I mean, even WWE is still doing that. Now, WWE, to me, is not as fresh as they once were. But they're still giving people moments. They still find the spots to throw Sting in where nobody saw it coming, like on Raw Reunion. Spoiler alert. You know, they still do stuff, whether it's good or bad, that gets websites and newspapers and TV shows talking. They still do that. Raw Reunion was successful, in my mind, because it really got people talking. A couple of angles I liked better than a a couple of other ones. When I heard that they were going to do a Royal Rumble panel in the ring, or whatever it was called, I was like, oh no, because you remember the last time, I think it was was Shawn Michaels, Ric Flair, and somebody else, it might have been Hogan, and they had the three of them in the ring, and they were just talking about the upcoming pay-per-view, It wasn't great, and I thought this wasn't going to be great TV. What made this segment was, number one, the big show coming out, because I think the big show, promo-wise, I feel like is doing some of the best stuff he's done in years. I'm really enjoying when the big show is on a microphone. I think he knows his character. I think he's doing a great job of telling a story. I think... For the big show to have people caring about him at this stage in the game. Okay, we've seen the big show in the ring for over a decade. We've seen him in the ring with every conceivable opponent you can imagine. He's beaten everybody, and he's lost to everybody. On paper, you would think, okay, there's nothing left in this character to care about. But right now, big show is making the audience care about him. We talked about it a few weeks ago when he was on commentary and what an amazing job he did and how he really used the tool of being a superstar on commentary to further his storyline and to further the storylines of the guys in the ring. He was excellent at it. And I felt even, even still on Monday, he picked up a microphone. He had a reason for talking. It made sense. It wasn't convoluted. It was concise. It was clear. And what made that segment work was Ric Flair. Ric Flair being the man. First of all, even before the big show came out, Ric Flair was awesome. Cutting a promo. And whether, you know, people are, you know, saying he was drunk, he was this, he was that. I think Ric Flair was just on his game. He might have had a cocktail, maybe. But, you know, I think probably the the panel from SummerSlam a year and a half ago where JR got fired, that probably did a lot to damage Ric Flair's uh, reputation and sobriety. But, you know, I didn't think he was off his rocker. You know, he was just loosey-goosey, the way the nature boy is. He used to drop elbows on his pants. He used to take his pants off and drop elbows on them. That's a, you know what I mean? And that was just a promo. That was just how he led to a match. I thought he was great. And the fact that he would take that bump from the big show on Monday night, was like, that is exactly what you're supposed to do. You know, they do so many of these reunion specials, and they protect the legends. 
and I just feel like that's a waste of time. That was one of my pet peeves about the John Cena rock story, uh, the the three-year, two-year-long feud, I guess it was, that they made consistently, even though in the end John Cena won, consistently they made The Rock look stronger than John Cena. It really, It always bothered me at WrestleMania 27 when John Cena and The Miz... That was the main event, John Cena versus The Miz. You can have issues with that if you want, but that was the main event. And at the time, I didn't mind it. But for that match to end with The Rock laying both guys out and WrestleMania that year to close on The Rock standing victoriously in the ring when he hadn't even wrestled and we knew he wasn't going to. At that point, we figured he never would. We later found out he would a year later. I don't think I, I, I think you can use your legends wisely. I think they have a great part. I get excited when I find out Hulk Hogan's going to be on the show, when Shawn Michaels is going to be on the show. An APA reunion. When I found out Scott Hall, Kevin Nash and X-Pac were going to be in the ring, I popped. I got excited for that. But what I feel like you should never, never do is make the legends look better than the current roster guys. Okay, when Hogan was champion, as much as everybody thought of Bruno San Martino as a legend, Hogan was where the attention was. We looked at Hogan. I mean, can you imagine Stone Cold Steve Austin? The WWE signed Mike Tyson to do something. And instead of making Mike Tyson look strong, they had Stone Cold Steve Austin walk to the ring and flip him off. And that made you love Stone Cold because that was like, yeah, Stone Cold is the man here. The people that are on the TV show every week, whether it's your John Cena's or your Seth Rollins or your Daniel Bryan's or your Ascensions, the people that are going to be in on the show night in, night out, those are the people that I think you should be paying most attention to. And it should always look the strongest. That's why the legend killer gimmick worked so well for Randy Orton. Because he kept laying out these legends. Because these are guys that we grew up watching. But let's be honest. If you get a jacked up young dude in his late 20s, he's going to kill these guys. And that's what Randy Orton did. And that's why it worked. You know, for, for people on the roster at this stage in the game to ha- show any intimidation toward the legends is like it's one thing to have reverence for them but to actually act like they still got it over you that's nothing that a current roster superstar should do now the thing with the ascension is a weird thing it's interesting they're in an odd place because i don't exactly know what their purpose is i i I get interested whenever they're on tv because i don't exactly know what they're going to do with them i think like they made their debut it didn't really work, and so they started trying new things where they did this sort of throwback, but not like a throwback, almost like a parody of an old tag team, and then insulted other old tag teams. And I was like, okay, I'm kind of into that, and then they would wrestle jobbers, and it was never really explained why they were wrestling jobbers. You know, nobody wrestles jobbers anymore. And never like, Are they supposed to look cowardly? Are they delusional? Do they think that it's the 80s still? I don't think that that's really been fully explained yet. I don't think there's a firm grasp on that aspect of the characters. Uh, I'm interested every week when I see them on TV because I want to know where the story's going to go. I, however, don't have full faith that WWE necessarily knows where the story's going to go. And that kind of bugs me. And it shouldn't because who am I to say? Maybe they know exactly what they're doing. But in my gut, I feel like somebody just finds it funny for the Ascension to go out and kind of look like fools. And if it's not furthering something else, I just don't know if that's helpful. So they're now wrestling the New Age Outlaws at the Royal Rumble this weekend. At the pay-per-view, it's going to be the Ascension versus the New Age Outlaws. I hope that we get past all this goofiness and they just have the Ascension tear up the Outlaws. I loved... Billy Gunn and Road Dog. New Age Outlaws were just like everybody else, my favorite tag team. Who didn't love the Outlaws? Oh, you didn't know? 
some guy named Mr. Ass walking out, and he's still cool. Somehow you can name yourself Mr. Ass and still be cool. Of course you get respect. But in 2015, the, the, the Ascension, this team that just showed up, there's no way they should have any trouble with the New Age Outlaws. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Uh, speaking of the Royal Rumble, I, I liked seeing Brock Lesnar on Raw. I, I like that he's been on Raw the last couple weeks. I think Raw has been exciting. Sting being there. Now, Sting is a different scenario because Sting being there, even though Seth Rollins is losing because Sting is there, Sting is not there humiliating Seth Rollins. Sting is helping John Cena humiliate Seth Rollins. Sting is helping Dolph Ziggler and Eric Rowan and Ryback make their return. Sting being there makes sense because he's fighting on behalf of some of the guys who it's not that they need a legend to help them. It's that they need somebody to help them because the boss of the company storyline is against them. That makes sense to me. That I'm fine with. But it's when... You know, just watching the Ascension get clotheslined by a commentator. I mean, JBL is amazing, but he, right, you know, he's he's back to being a commentator. You know, watching guys who are retired beat up guys who are active roster will just never sit all that well with me. I'm hoping for a Sting Triple H match at WrestleMania. I think that'd be great because Triple H is not active roster as a wrestler, and Sting is more. I mean, at this point, he's more like a like a like a he's he's a, he's an icon, and he's being portrayed as an icon. He's not even really a person. He's not this guy who used to be Sting. He's not a retired this. He's not. He is this sort of image. He's this mythological creature, and they're doing a really great job of portraying him as, as such. Um, I'll get into some of the tweets that I got over the week in a minute because a lot of people responded to my Hall of Fame conversation with good old Jr. But first. You know, we're talking about the Royal Rumble. Believe it or not, the Ascension versus New Age Outlaws is not the main event. No. No. There is no reason in my mind that the Royal Rumble cannot be a full reset on everything that's going on with WWE. I think now is the time. Royal Rumble is the time to really pay attention to what's in front of you. And to move forward full force. You finally have a roster that's strong enough that you don't need part-time guys. I think Brock Lesnar was a valuable asset for the second half of 2014. But I think in 2015 you don't need him. You just don't need Brock Lesnar anymore. You don't need Lesnar. Jericho is great to have on TV. You don't need him. You don't need The Rock. You don't need any of these guys anymore because the roster is finally full and finally strong. You know, you got Ryback, Dolph Ziggler, Eric Rowan all working as strong good guys. You've got Daniel Bryan back fully healed, amazingly so. You've got Roman Reigns back fully healed, amazingly so. You got Seth Rollins, who's an amazing heel. You got Bray Wyatt, who's an amazing heel. You got Dean Ambrose. You could do stuff with Cesaro. You could do stuff with Tyson Kidd now. There's so much going on that I don't think you need. I mean, I've changed my stupid fantasy WrestleMania bookings every other week, which makes me feel like I could probably fit in well with WWE, that I'm just changing my bookings at the drop of a hat. But, I mean, I'm kind of so ready for something new and kind of over everything that my in my mind, I said before, the main event that I wanted for WrestleMania was John Cena versus Daniel Bryan and then Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns because I thought it would help get Roman Reigns over. I still don't want to see Daniel Bryan versus Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. But based on the way everything's gone, I want to see Daniel Bryan versus Seth Rollins headline WrestleMania. I want WWE, as successful as NXT has been, as good as these quote-unquote new guys have been on the show over the last year, I want to watch them show their balls and headline WrestleMania with Daniel Bryan and Seth Rollins. Last year, you could have said that WWE was nervous about the idea of Daniel Bryan being a WrestleMania headliner, and look what happened. 
he's victorious and has a WrestleMania moment and has the Superdome. He has all of New Orleans going nuts for him. I mean, it was, a, it was a massive reaction. There's no reason to think that you need guys that are more established than these two. I feel like if you build it the right way, there is enough time between now and the end of March that you could realistically have Seth Rollins win the world title at the Royal Rumble and have Daniel Bryan win the Royal Rumble, and you could have that world title match. You'd have very interesting— because then you're left with Seth Rollins not only being the WWE World Champion, but still having the money in the bank. How great would that be? He has the championship and the money in the bank briefcase. So that way, you know, throughout the year, Daniel Bryan can go and win it at WrestleMania. And then Seth Rollins is always still, he's got a rematch and he's got his briefcase. There's, so, there's a lot you could do with it. I'd say that and then have... A John Cena versus Brock Lesnar loser leaves town match. And send Brock Lesnar packing, and I'm good with it. Um, I think you can do a lot at Royal Rumble this year. It's the first time the WWE World Championship has been defended since October. Since October. It's been months since that championship has been defended. Not only do you have the first title defense, but you've got... The one match that declares who is going to WrestleMania. We're going to find out in one night. We're going to find out who's going to WrestleMania to main event. And we're going to see the title get defended for the first time in months and months. Huge. It's a huge night for wrestling. And I think it's super important. And I think it's, it's, it's a little bit make or break. Not necessarily make or break. It's not going to break the company. WWE is always going to be doing just fine, but they've got the potential to, I feel like, really do something special here. Uh, Will they take that opportunity? I don't know. I don't know. You remember last year's Royal Rumble was the start uh, of something huge because they read the crowd wrong. The plan that they had was not right. They had Batista winning and going on, and it was just not the right move. And the crowd and the sounds they made and the reaction they had changed it. And they did the, the, what they did was perfect. And it was right. And it was great. Now, unfortunately, we lost Daniel Bryan for half a year. So we might have to restart that, that, that phase. But I think, you know, unless it's like a Dolph Ziggler or, or someone like that, I don't see how anybody but Daniel Bryan should win the Royal Rumble this year, unless they get screwed out of it or something and you're setting up something else. But I think it's a, if Roman Reigns wins the Royal Rumble, I think it has the potential to be dangerous. Because I think Roman, I, I think Roman Reigns is, is great. And I think he's got the potential to be a major, major superstar. I think you just need the audience to feel like he's becoming a superstar on their terms. And and you're becoming dangerously close to having him forced down their throat. That's just psychology. You want to create this dude that fans at home want to get behind. And they're not going to want to get behind someone if they think they're being told to get behind them. They're only going to want to get behind them if they feel like, oh, I found this person. That's just, I mean, that, that, that's not just for this year. That's for always. To get behind somebody... You need to feel like, oh, I support what they do. Oh, I found them. Oh, not like, hey, 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 it's, it, this is the guy you should be looking at. This is the guy you should be looking at. This is the guy you should be looking at. Because every time you're going to say, well, what about this guy over here? What about what this guy's doing? Let me take a look. at. I don't know this guy. You know, when Roman Reigns bust onto the scene with the shield, it was like, whoa, I've never seen this guy before. What's his deal? I like what he's got going on. And then fans started to get behind him. He was dominant in last year's Royal Rumble, and it worked. I just don't, I just don't know where this one goes. I don't know. I got a lot of feedback from last week's podcast. I want to read some of it real quick. Everybody was tweeting me at not Sam, um, like uh, one guy, and and my question was: Now that Macho Man Randy Savage is going into the Hall of Fame, how many true headliners do you have left? Jr. was a little stumped on that one too. Uh, we talked about the Monday Night Wars a little bit with DDP this week. Uh, one guy on Twitter writes, uh, after the Monday Night Wars, do you think Ted Turner will get a Hall of Fame induction? I think that'd be really interesting, but I think that I don't think that's a headline uh, that's a headline night. 
I think Ted Turner would get in the way Donald Trump got in. Like, it's a big name. It's the big... But as much as he actually does have to do with wrestling, I still feel like that's a celebrity wing induction. Speaking of celebrity wing, uh, people are asking what celebrities should go in the Hall of Fame this year. Should it be Ozzy, Alice Cooper, Cindy Lauper, Muhammad Ali? Um, I think Cindy Lauper and Muhammad Ali definitely have a place. I think there are a lot... Throw Jonathan Taylor Thomas in there, okay? That's my pick. Who didn't love WrestleMania 11? Jonathan Taylor Thomas, my pick for celebrity induction into the WWE Hall of Fame. Mark it down and remember where you heard it first. Uh, some people bringing up names. Uh, the Rock, of course. I should have mentioned The Rock. He'll go. I, I think I did. He'll go into the Hall of Fame. Vince McMahon remains to be seen whether or not he'll ever actually induct himself. I think it might have to be one of those... Uh, post-mortem inductions, Triple H, Kevin Nash, Undertaker, Chris Jericho, Hardy Boys, Kurt Angle, Goldberg, Sting. Sting is definitely a headliner. Um, I Triple H, yeah. Undertaker, of course, but I got to tell you, I don't know if Kevin Nash, Chris Jericho, the Hardys, Kurt Angle, or Goldberg are necessarily headline. They're not Macho Man Randy Savage level. They're not Hulk Hogan level. They're not Bret Hart level. They're not Ultimate Warrior level. These are the names that get thrown out there for for headline inductions. Uh, CM Punk got brought up a lot. Uh, I think it's going to be a while before CM Punk enters the Hall of Fame. Uh, Mark Henry, well, Big Show, yeah, Kane, okay. Those guys are in the company right now. They're not just going to put them in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Paul Heyman's name came up. DX and NWO as groups. Yeah, but... We've watched Shawn Michaels go in. We've watched Scott Hall go in. We've watched Hulk Hogan go in. You know, and, and Kevin Nash will definitely go in at some point. But those groups going in, I don't think are the headline acts when you've already seen the headline member of the group go in. The Freebirds get brought up a lot. Yeah, well, with WrestleMania going to Dallas, maybe that's where the Freebirds go in. Duke the Dumpster Drossy. How could I forget Duke the Dumpster Drossy? No doubt. Um... Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, that would be a good one. I don't know if that's a Hall of Fame uh, headline act, but I don't know why the Dragon's not in already. Dwayne Gill, I think that's right. This guy writes, I can't respect an institution that still hasn't elected Dwayne Gill. I'm behind that 150,000%. And so many names. Yeah, I did. uh, Dudley Boys should go in. and Yeah, Kurt Angle and the Hardy Boys, all all of them should go in. I just don't know if they're... uh, if they're headline acts. Owen Hart got mentioned a lot, and of course I think Owen Hart should be there. I just don't think it's a realistic possibility at this point. Uh, so listen. And Brock Lesnar. I don't know. I don't know if Brock Lesnar is a headliner or not. I guess he would be. Lex Luger. Lex Luger should go in. British Bulldog. I think... Uh, I guess Brock Lesnar is... He's a headline act because he's such a headliner, but it's just, it's not like he'd have that emotional speech that you look for at the Hall of Fame, you know? He doesn't even like wrestling. He's great. He's entertaining to watch, but he's not, he doesn't like wrestling. So it might be kind of a letdown. Well, listen, thank you. I like wrestling, and I like you, and I thank you for listening. Make sure that you like the podcast on iTunes. You click the five star review, full stars. And leave a little text. Hey, this is a great podcast. Hey, this is the greatest podcast ever. One of my fellow broadcasters was complaining that uh, he didn't think uh, he he gets bothered when athletes become broadcasters. I think we, we we've both got room to breathe. Okay, I am a. If you want wrestlers talking about wrestling, I'd say go download uh, uh, Taz and Stone Cold and Jr. and Chris Jericho and Colt Cabana. If you want a fan talking about wrestling. You come here. I'm a fan. I'm talking to you. You're a fan. We get it. We come from the outside. We're looking in. And that's the perspective of this show. Thank you for listening. As always, you know, follow me on all the social media spots and get my t-shirt at prowrestlingtees.com slash Sam Roberts. See you next week here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And subscribe for free to listen every week to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.